0: What are we going to do without you, Horton? Ah, uh, don't worry.
1: I'll always be around. And even as I wonder, oh, I'm keeping you in sight. You're a candle in the window
2: on a cool, dark winter's night. Beautiful metaphor. And I'm getting closer than I ever thought I might. Woo, that's a little high for me. Baby, I can't fight this feeling anymore. I forgot forgotten
1: what I started fighting for. And if I have to crawl upon your floor, upon the come floor. crashing, through, I'm your crashing door, through your door. Baby.
0: <laughs> welcome back to New
1: Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Boar.
3: I'm Nikki Kelly-Kleinberg.
1: Nikki, welcome.
3: Thank you very much. It's nice to be here.
1: It's a great uh, joy to have you here. Nikki and I, how long have we known each other, Nikki?
3: Um, since 2010, so that's like seven years.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Seven is a special number.
1: It is a special number. Yeah. One. Nikki and I met uh, at theological seminary, and a uh, great student, great graduate assistant, and, uh, and a wonderful friend. Yeah. And uh, doing some interesting creative th- Theological th- reflecting as both a chaplain and, and a mom and a wife and a friend and an activist—all these things together. Yep.
0: Could you just tell us the two most incriminating stories about Bill Bohr from his teaching days at Palmer Seminary?
3: Um, hmm. Keep it
0: incriminating. Are you can tell well, you, you can say one nice thing.
3: <laughs> there is that sort of re- the revealing. I think it was. It's like the uh, the. Last lecture for church history is the like top 10 moments in modern church history, oh, uh, that's, modern Western church that, history.
1: And yeah, when i just was running out of time and just needed to fill in. The right. So it's a, do- <laughs> this is
3: double, it's like, kind of like, obviously there's no time to say everything, but right. I'm just right. going to give you a slideshow of the things that I think are the best. Yeah, And it was clearly unapologetically like what you connected with.
1: Absolutely. And
3: yeah. it's, also awesome.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
3: And also, really good photos, too, of every person that you represented.
1: Right. Yeah, we did. We had, uh, I, well, my favorite, Nikki, I, I told this to you beforehand. Uh, she was my teaching assistant, and Church History One had a reputation at the seminary because I actually taught Church History One. Right. So I was alive in, uh, People weren't used to reading that much and covering that much time. Mm-hmm. So I always gave my teaching assistant an opportunity to say something to the class and they you know, they did different things and, and uh Nikki I said, Nikki, would you like to say anything to class? She goes, I know all of you are anxious about this midterm. Uh, I'm going to Starbucks. Does anybody want anything? <laughs> <laughs> she went and bought people stuff, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
0: And the anxiety thing was about pencils and Fill in the circle stuff. Not about your rigor, right? Yeah, right. They were just saying, <laughs> <Yeah>. about- <laughs>
3: Like I don't even know where to find a pencil. These days. Are, there, 18, are there. Are there are uh,
0: there pastors all across the Mid Atlantic region go in Rorschach tests? What is that? Boar, boar, <laughs> boar church history. Boar church history.
1: Well, it was you know we try I, again. I. Um, as Bart tells us, we were to take people more seriously than they take themselves. and I, Yeah. And that was what we tried to do in Church History 1 and uh, had a lot of fun with it. And had to do a lot of backfill at Palmer, uh, mm-hmm. including philosophy and things like that and some stuff that set, hopefully sets you up for systematics and other things.
3: Definitely. I went home with the sense too, like, um, if there were certain things I didn't know about church history, not necessarily church history, but more like the philosophy that really our church is built on in so many ways. Um I would go home and I call myself a Christian. I would have this sense of like, how do I even know what a Christian is? There's like this sort of sense of sense of loss. Um you just give like little samples of all that's out there that affects the way that people behave towards one another, which is sometimes good.
0: I usually look at Donald Trump's Twitter feed and Ew. figure out what a Christian is. Ew. <laughs> he does, he is the God ordained. Person to
1: launch Nick's son. There we go. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a fascinating reading of Romans thirteen. Nick, you've done some. You've uh, purposely um, over the years lived in challenged neighborhoods um, to be in solidarity with with the poor and to live there as uh, just as as neighbors. That's as a purposeful thing. Yeah, I'd maybe just share a little bit about some of that. that you-
3: yeah. Um. Well, first I should say it's more um, buying within what. I could actually afford. <laughs> um, I I was raised with so, this- okay, hey,
0: I'm here to do challenging ministry. I'm a Christian. I want to help. And this is what I can afford. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd love to be in the neighborhood that Jeffries, the guy that I could have averted the nuclear war authorization if I could afford to live in a nice neighborhood in Dallas or Houston. But this is what I can do. Yeah,
3: totally. I feel like I I, I really I have access to um probably a lot of money that I could borrow in different ways. But I just was kind of raised in in a school of thought that says you just kind of get what you can actually wrap your mind around. It's sort of a modern Amish idea. And in, in some ways that like, I don't want to sign up for something that I just don't understand how it's gonna how it's gonna happen. So, um, so it's time to buy a house. And I'm sort of you know, we're surveying different properties we can get and we realize that we can buy a big house and share it with lots of people and it's a lot more affordable. And then also, um, as a Enneagram enthusiast and as a, (laughs) and as a disciple of Jesus who usually rolls with a big community, I thought it was also spiritually, socially a benefit to try to live with people too in a long-term way, um, so there's these places. The phrase that first caught, uh, sort of caught my attention or that I hooked on to is, um, is, I guess, it's places abandoned by the empire. So there's places in Philadelphia that are um, – in Philadelphia in particular, you know, there's a lot of stuff. One recent bit of news that's come out is Philadelphia had so many more lead smelting plants than anywhere else in the country. Mm. Philadelphia had 29. A lot of them were in like – The neighborhoods that people are now calling... Or maybe they've always called them that. I don't know. But the River Words Mm -hmm. neighborhoods. So the... So Philadelphia has been abandoned by empire in a serious way. That's just empire just came and just took a shit on it and like just said, everybody now figure out how to live with everything that's been left behind and all these buildings that are dangerous and abandoned. And
0: it's like the burnout, like what was it called? The burned over districts in New York after the revival It's right. the burned out places of empire. It's just like, yeah, Empire Empire came and just lit it on fire.
3: Totally. So there's a sense of like a, um, you know, like ai am ai am a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I believe in the resurrection. So there's a sense of just mm. like, I'm going to the place that seems dead. But then now what I'm struggling with and this fast forward to today is that I'm actually in a neighborhood that now people are describing as like up and coming, right. which is which is like, so even hearing that I cringed a little bit yeah, when you just yeah. said that I'm intentionally living among the poor because it's actually, it's like what I can afford and it's a uh, beautiful spaces that um, I have the sense of really connecting with history too. Our house is really old. It's really beautiful and we've changed it in some ways, but it's still... Uh, we have this, you know, there's still the smell of the old Germans that built it in the 1860s. And um, and even the different communities that have lived there over the last yeah. so many years. Um, but anyways, that's, yeah, that's basic.
1: That, that first place you lived, was that in Frankfurt?
3: So that was in um, Kensington. Kensington, uh, Sometimes yeah. I think the real estate people will call it Fishtown Heights. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my my memory of you living there. I mean you could hear the gunshots if you stopped, you know, mm-hmm. when you were in there and that one the image of the uh that yeah you know, we gave out uh we gave you yeah. Thanksgiving food and that the, helped us. The, yeah, neighbors. but the the uh the poor cracked addict holding a frozen turkey on the street. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
3: trying to sell it. Trying to sell the frozen.
1: Yeah. That's an image that stays with me. By the way, for mm-hmm.
0: those of you not in Philadelphia, um, that is how Philadelphia real estate works. Like, you're kind of, oh, Fishtown, this looks kind of Fishtown Gardens. Look, <laughs> there's some weeds growing in a sewer. Use your imagination. You can make a god. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> I mean, it is some. Um, yeah, no, but some, some um, really, um, again, I think it was me, what I always found really inspirational was it was you were being neighbors. You That was that was, there was uh, the hard spirituality of you weren't being radical. You were trying to just be human mm-hmm. and uh, affirm people's humanity by doing that, which mm-hmm. I always admired a lot. And also it was an intentional committee with people all over the faith spectrum. Some who didn't have, but people who you were creating community among yourselves coming from lots of different places.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely um one thing I've recently been thinking about since I'm a chaplain that's really the way that I work as a um I mean a, a, as a minister uh is the idea of being a peer with other people mm-hmm. as opposed to having an author- having authority and I, I think that at best what I can hope for myself is to be a true to truly be equal with others right. to really be a peer and um to just be an honest witness with what I've experienced not try to embellish not try to make the other person um, like make me feel better or like meet my needs Um, but just to really be a peer to others and that's what's happened in our housing too I think mm-hmm. is that in you know sharing housing makes it a lot more affordable Um, and that, that's sort of that can be the only thing if we can get along and split bills then that's great that's plenty but, mm. and the idea is to to try to appreciate our differences too and um, yeah
0: that's basically if we could have a political program like that for the country if we can just get along together you <laughs> Share the bills, yeah, <laughs> and live together. I mean that that might be a an optimistic and hopeful political proposal.
1: Well, and it's interesting. So many places where people live, suburbs, you know, uh, subdivisions. There really isn't any community. There's no inter, there is no interrelationship. You don't work together, and even the yards and houses are set up where you don't even have to see each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think getting back to the very basic substructures that humans have been living in for you know one hundred fifty thousand years or so. Um, certainly maybe one way to save save i don't I'm not, I'm not, i don't have any ideas about saving society or saving the country but trans uh, you know maybe transpire and transform some neighborhoods
3: mm-hmm.
1: so maybe just a block a half a block right
3: you know. and including um like the people that are actually there yeah like i think that's the thing like where you know the gent i don't know if you talk much about like gentrification right but that's like what on one hand i feel like i'm at risk of being part of a gentrification movement and i live in germantown
0: i'm aspiring to (laughs) gentrify (laughs) (laughs) i'm
3: gonna come in and gentrify your neighborhood
0: no i'm I'm just saying if i could get the money to be a gentrifier (laughs) like oh jeez look i'm a (laughs) gentrifier it's like a new monopoly banker in your favor. You have enough to put a gentrification down payment. I'm like, "Whoa." <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm going to put you in the category of an official. Your income makes you a gentrifier. <laughs> No, but there's definitely so Germantown has like the highest representation of community input out of mm. any neighborhood in Philadelphia.
1: It is a unique place, a very Yeah, it is. and I'm
3: so grateful to be there because there's so I could um you know there was recently an article put out it was called something like The Artist's Guide to Gentrification because what we've seen in, is that a lot of these um you know a lot of a lot of artists, type people go into neighborhoods that have been abandoned by empire and they start filling in like the warehouses and the old a sort of uh, industrial production spaces with art and, um, and, and in some ways start creating a neighborhood that becomes a destination
2: mm-hmm.
3: and all the while ignoring that people actually live there. Um, kind of like, when I mean, it seemed, it's like a colonialist kind of right. thing that's continued, that's like, oh, this is a new world. And you're like, actually, it's not new. People have lived here <laughs> for a long time. They're just not the people that you recognize as people. Um, if,
0: if gentrifiers came to Langhorne, I feel like they would say, this could be a destination neighborhood if you just weren't here. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right. Yeah. Th- that's the problem.
0: Right. So, but, our uh, uh, to pr- process generally is to kind of just, um we just kind of free flow. We've already free flowed. We've gotten to know you, but you wanted to, you want to do a little theology mm. through Horton, who hears a who, Ooh. which I think was a haiku. Ah. What I just did was a haiku, I think, but. And, it, and, if you, and if you
1: want to do a little theology, you've come to the right podcast. Awesome. Emphasis on little. Little. Yeah.
3: It is a little, but sometimes I front like I can do a lot. So
1: All right, there you'll go. see
3: through that. you'll see through it though. <laughs> Just don't take any of my leads if it seems like I'm getting into deep the big theology.
1: No, that's good for ratings. We will let you hang. Right okay. there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We're taking a
0: quick break to ask you a question which you can interpret as you wish or will. Do you like this podcast? Do you love it? Do you just listen to it to shout at us, but do you want it to keep going? If so, consider becoming a Patreon sponsor. If you do, whatever your motivation, we will read your name out on the thank you roll call, which will begin right now. Thank you, David Winona Babico, Peter Stegenwald, Samantha Blythe, Sari Graham, Jordan Morrisberger and Josh Redder. Thank you all for being my Patreon sponsors. If you want to sponsor this podcast and help keep this content that you enjoy coming out, please just go to patreon.com Forward slash Scott Kent Jones, and there you can find information about how to give. If you give just five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on this podcast and help develop some future podcast projects that will be unfolding in the future. Thanks again to sponsors, and please, if you like this podcast, consider becoming a Patreon sponsor. And now back to the show.
3: Um, well, let's see. I was just going to try to so. Hort, so um, as mentioned, I have I have two kids. They're age six and age two, and we watch a lot of television. Um, the average kid watches—they say in America—the average kid watches six and a half hours of TV a day. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful to say we don't watch that much. We're still below average, but it's still about two hours. I think it's two to four hours a day of television. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm in charge, um, my daughter's just learning to self serve t- TV, um, which might make it more, but um. So sometimes I'll sit down and, and I try to watch the stories that they're watching. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I'm um, hooked by sometimes is – and actually we read the books too, but Dr. Seuss. Uh, Dr. Sor- Dr. Seuss has some pretty big themes in his stories and uh horton here's a who is um kind of a popular in mm-hmm. some ways among the animated movies new movie jim carrey steve carroll um seth rogan are all like voices mm-hmm. of people and um yeah there's some good theology in there so i thought maybe we can you know talk about it
0: yeah let's dive in i mean my favorite seth rogan film is the interview still but
3: <laughs> i guess i heard you mention that i think that's like um offensive to a lot of people that movie
0: well that doesn't really stop uh, <laughs> I, I actually think <laughs> I actually think it's a quite sympathetic portrait of Kim Jong Un. Mm. <laughs> I, mean, I,
3: I know I actually kind of liked him. Yeah,
0: yeah. you you wind up liking it. Like, yeah, you think I take him all away and not <laughs> totally.
3: <laughs> it actually made me kind of like Katy Perry too. I didn't previously. Really. I don't
0: just kind of like Katy Perry. Fire! I love that song. Firework. Yeah, there's a deep thing that uh, you're a plastic. But I like this. Yeah, don't
3: there's like a sort of a breaking out of like the true human. Yeah. happening
0: yeah her song roar came out of like therapy and she's oh. yeah so there you go yeah i, I i'm supp- i'm supplying the Katy perry bio portion of the podcast yeah. <laughs> all
1: yours man all yours
0: <laughs> destination Langhorn? no <laughs> for many <laughs> many so, reasons
1: actually yeah i love the dr seuss and i'm getting to go round two because of grandchildren now. That's so. what I was picturing. That's yeah, I so I, I love yeah. that
0: you just gave me the definite article. It's not just I love Dr. Seuss. I love the
1: doctor. <laughs> the
0: the doctor. Totally. He, he gets the definite article. Yeah, yeah, I like,
1: yeah. I think I still like, Are You My Mother? That might be my favorite, which is not yeah. technically Dr. Seuss. It's in the series, but.
3: Yeah, but still, it's like in the school of Dr. Seuss.
1: In the school of Dr. Seuss. Yeah, yeah.
3: totally. Dr. Seuss is definitely. Presented a school of um, dialogue, I think. Yeah, and he
1: was kind of a dark character, he was, right? Yeah, as a pretty human being, and uh, yeah, and uh, worked on propaganda films in World War II. But mm-hmm. let's get to Horton, because I, I, I think it's an amazing story as well. So, what's is there a section you want to read? Or is there an overarching? Um, no,
3: thing? I didn't find. I, so I did a quick search of like a quote, um, but the thing that seems like it's most is, is most quoted from the movie is um, a person's a person no matter how small. And obviously different groups have co-opted that uh, to push a a very specific agenda of who that person is, who that small person is and try to make make them big and make them sort of saved. But I, I think the beauty of the story is really um, the the life of every individual human being has so many ups and downs and so many experiences. And I think that all those little experiences are very meaningful and important just to that person. And that's OK. It doesn't have to be broadcast to everybody. In the Horton Hears a Who situation, it does have to be broadcast to everybody because it's a matter of saving the entire little speck of dust. Right. Um, but it's not because it's broadcasted that it's important. Hmm. It's
1: yeah, no, I, I, and you also were talking about he's an accidental hero.
3: Mm-hmm. Right, Horton isn't trying to be a hero. He's he. So if you can recall them, you know, I mean, for me, movies are more memorable. I'm not that good of a reader, even though in the School of Dr. Seuss, Dr. <laughs> Seuss says that um, I can read with my eyes closed. Hmm. So. Well, I haven't actually done all the. Actually, now I, that I'm finished with school, I could tell you I don't read very well. I don't finish reading things. I skim things for the main points, and I miss a lot. Um, but I think that I get it. There's a certain point where I start thinking about whether or not I get it or I connect to it. Um, but anyway, so uh, so Horton here's a who I can picture the movie very well because mm. I have I could I think in images and Horton is a total he's a goofy guy. He's not. He's just swimming in the in the little pond. And then he sees a tiny little speck blow by and he hears, he thinks he might hear someone go, and then he imagines that there's something in need and he just runs to help. And, um, yeah. So he's an accidental hero. Mm. He's not trying to help necessarily. He's just doing what he can't not do. Like a double negative.
0: It's like the prayer you walk into in your hospital. Like I, what is it? I wish I,
3: Oh yeah. Like I wish I would will. I, I can't remember it exactly now, but, um, if you ever go into the Presbyterian Hospital in West Philly, the entrance um, – it's like the old main entrance. There's a prayer inscribed in the marble that says something like, I wish that I will what God wills or something like that. It's a, there's a there's a on. I wish going. that I
1: will to care or Yeah, I
3: wish yeah. that I will to care. Yeah. There's a lot of steps before actually doing anything. <laughs> so as a Methodist, I've grown in the tradition that like I don't really have to like it. I just have to do it. But this prayer is something more like um, – you actually can make yourself always available to do things and connect and like it.
1: I think there was a John Henry Newman one time. It's either John Henry Newman or it could have been. Uh, I think it's John Henry Newman one time said that you know if you're praying to overcome something but you're not having any luck at it, then maybe you need to pray, Lord, help me to actually want to get better. Yeah. <laughs> help me change my change my desire. Which yeah. You, really. your brother Wesley would would certainly.
0: A so, so we talked about the Enneagram a little bit, and you, well, you're both twos, but like, it's one of my favorite types. Uh, do you think some of the connection is like the significance of his, like, hey, he just hears.
3: <laughs> oh, that Horton hears it? Yeah. Note. Yeah. Yes. It's just the sense experience. Yeah. Because totally. twos are
0: the most relational type. I mean, they get, like, I mean, twos, the giver. I mean, they, they sense yeah. need, they sense pain, they sense emotion, they sense.
3: Thanks for hearing that. That's like a really – I actually didn't realize the significance of just the – Well,
0: it's the headphones.
3: But it's the hearing, yeah. (laughs) They're like important.
0: They're they're very large.
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I totally feel that because there's so – I mean, I also – so I completed a yoga teacher training um, course just a little while ago with them. Dawn Smelzer at the Mother Heart Yoga Studio in Fishtown, actual fish, proper Fishtown.
0: Not the gardens. <laughs> yeah, not the
3: gardens, but <laughs> proper Fishtown where it's like $1,000 a square foot. Um, but anyways, Dawn, she's the real deal. But so much of what I learned was about um, embodiment. And I think mm. that's something I talk about a lot as a Christian because it seems like Christ is, is has invited me into embodiment. Um to really imagine uh, God, connect with God, hear God, and like live God. Um, so anyway, so so some kind of simple experience like just hearing, like that's how it started. Horton heard it. He heard the sound. And he was enjoying, he actually wasn't trying to hear anything. He wasn't sitting meditating. He was actually like playing in the water like a child. And he heard it.
1: He was attentive to his environment. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes we, um, um, we you know, we've talked a little bit about, it, really it's um, Heidegger and the, the the idea that we're disconnected from our environments. Wittgenstein. Vicken, uh, I, I think it's more Heidegger. Heidegger, yeah. And this idea that we have become disconnected. i am ventured in a century. I have no business being it, but,
0: uh, <laughs> I, I You know how much I know about Heidegger? I, one day I remember telling one of the librarians at Princeton Center, I was like, I mean, you know, people say Heidegger's the greatest philosopher of the twentieth century who's
1: like, Yeah, the followers of Heidegger. <laughs> 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 I was like, <laughs> yeah, But go. the idea of being more connected, you know, the problem with the modern human is disconnected from their self, nature and things like that. And you know, there's this, there's so much going on around us. in Horton, in the midst of enjoyment, he was was able to, to hear because he was listening to his environment in all kinds of ways. I think that's a, that is a power, and I think it's a model mm-hmm. to us. I mean, one of the things that strikes me, I mean, I think about your life, and I think about all the really balls in the air you have in terms of you've got, um, you know, your husband, your life partner is a doctor, you, you know, um, my entire, almost the entire time I've known you, he's been in medical school or something he chose to do. You know, you've been in seminary, you've had children, you've gone, you know, started one process, ordination process, felt called to another tradition. Um, and now I you know, just also learned that you took, you took an yoga training. So it seems like all these different things that you're doing, there's a kind of integration and uh, as, you know, Minister, mom, neighbor, human being, spouse, so what um, other than being just a good Methodist that you have everything in the right drawer <laughs> what, what what is what has been some of the keys that this because uh, this is an exhausting stage of life that you're in right now of young children you know, building careers and things like that um, so what are what what helps keep you integrated in, in in functioning? you seem to be doing a pretty good job
3: hmm,
1: um, by the way, don't feel well, any
0: pressure but my wife's Grandmother is watching. Yes. <laughs> well Say hello to Elaine.
3: Hi Elaine. Where's Elaine? She's in
0: Denver, Colorado. No, oh, no. Wait. Uh yeah, Denver, Colorado. Denver. I think. I mean, I, I know Greater Denver. It's Greater Denver. You, know,
1: you, probably, greater you Denver. probably should know where your wife's grandmother lives. Well, I'm just saying. In, they were, I know places.
0: Specifically, lived. Yeah. But I know it's. I think it's I'm Metro sorry. Denver. You probably.
3: know what airport you fly into when you visit her? I
0: I would yeah I would fly to Denver airport, I don't know how long the drive. <laughs> so would you would could
1: have just said Denver. Uh-huh. The Denver uh-huh. Greater United Denver, uh-huh. but I know it's they lived
0: fine. in Colorado Springs, but that's still Denver, right? Like Greater Denver. I think Col- like, Colorado
1: Springs is not Greater
0: Denver. No, but I'm saying you'd fly into you'd fly into Denver probably. I think
3: you'd still fly into Denver unless you're part of the military. Because I think there's the Air Force the Air Academy. Air Force there. Base.
1: Yeah. yeah. In Colorado Springs. Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right. But anyway, so. So, <laughs> so don't feel any more pressure. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so Elaine, um, Bill asked me about uh, how do I pull it off? How yeah. do I, how have how do, I. How do you do it? How do I make it seem like I'm pulling it off at least? Um, so this is a question that would probably please my yoga teacher. But I think deep and good, meaningful breathing is um, like really important to me. Um breathing in my, into my gut, into my belly and sort of having a regular daily sense of connection with my, um, my mind and body. Um, yeah. And I, so I think that's one simple way. Um, I also, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, uh, I, I feel like life is, um, pretty hard in a lot of ways, but I did, I, I guess I don't really expect it to be otherwise. Mm. Um, so there's a sense, I mean, I, there's, there's so much that I know. Actually, here's a phrase. This is maybe a a big theology thing um i heard a actually i started to listen to a podcast uh, on being with krista tippett um i,
0: I love that i love krista i love the do. podcast yeah
3: so I, I don't like her sound effects like sometimes she's a little too she's appreciating it for everyone's sake kind of like i feel like something happens and she's a little too like oh wow like you she should, doesn't do that but you should, wait a minute,
1: you should listen to when scott interviewed her
3: Oh, did you because there's a lot there's a lot, of, there's, a lo- there's a lot of wow, they're,
1: they, there's just they're just back and forth. a lot There's a lot of they they very empathetic. Not wow, but they very empathetic together. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Okay. It, yeah,
0: I I think it's actually who she is.
3: Yeah. All right. I could I could go with it. I think it's anyways, I really I do I listen. She does the really good interviews. Like and I really appreciate it. So she's interviewing Richard Rohr and the title of that is um
0: It was a great interview.
3: What's it called again? Deep oh. history. Yeah, deep history. So actually, is to to please my church history professor. (laughs) I think that sometimes a sense of deep history really helps ground me. So it's a combo of like deep, really satisfying breathing and a visual awareness of deep history. Like I feel like I can zoom out of my uh, self and just see myself in the context of lineage and, in some ways, you know, try to size up the assets and responsibilities of um who I am like what time I was born into and and everything was that Elaine?
0: Uh that might have been uh, I don't know sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there was a notification that wasn't meant to go off. <laughs>
3: yeah, so I guess I just like see myself in a larger context and um and I also feel I mean I was like uh like 14 when I had like a very strong sense of the spirit of Christ. Mm. Um, and that's part of maybe what Richard and Krista are talking about when they're talking about deep history. Um, yeah where I just I just see myself in a in a larger in a larger context I, I sense that I have a calling most of what I do I feel like I do it because I'm supposed to and it's, um, It's like my greatest joy and my greatest burden to fulfill my calling. Um,
0: What's burdensome and what's joyous?
3: um, There's some convincing that has to happen. Like some, I feel like I have to convince myself of um, like the importance of what I want to do or like I have to make time for what I think is important. And um, that's hard sometimes
0: is it the value of like what's important or the just like life is busy, the discipline of like, cause my guess is everything you're not like, like, hey, 30% of my calling is Farmville or whatever.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's the game. The, and then, yeah, nobody plays yeah. that game. Over that shows right. up that,
0: that into the Facebook. <laughs> but it's not <laughs> that. Like, I mean, is it more like, hey, like, the, like time is a limited asset. Like you talked about the incarnational nature of Jesus couldn't be everywhere. <laughs> right, right. Part of life. So yeah. you, you have to pick and choose.
3: It's picking and choosing. Like it's, um. you remember the popular phrase, YOLO?
0: you only live once
3: (laughs) you're only gonna yolo one time
0: related to Um, fomo but not
3: yeah kind of it is kind of like a combo of the two like where it's like all right what i'm pretty much what i wanted what i do with my time is based on like a very long old story so i'm like so out of everything that exists this is the one thing that i think matters or like and it's and that's maybe why i teeter on a universalist type perspective because the most it seems like, all right, well if everything else is included then it's so. then I can really give myself to it. Um but yeah, but it's like just deciding priorities, I think, like reminding myself why.
1: It's one of the things that you, I had forgotten about this, but you know, talking about struggling with your call. I remember you called a bunch of us together for a discernment.
3: Oh, yeah, the Quaker style. Which
1: was a really interesting thing. And maybe just as you were kind of going, you were at a, you were at a crossroads in discerning call. And maybe, you know, tell everybody what you did. Because I think we talk mm-hmm. about being accountable to each other, but this was one time where mm-hmm. it actually – was was physically happening? Yeah.
0: Well, for this one, this is
1: real accountability. Actually, yeah, this man. is yeah. real stuff. <laughs> and for,
3: for one, there was a lot of joy in seeing the group of people come together because I tried to. Um, I, so the Quaker, I think it's called the Clearness Committee or a Clarity Committee, is where you get a group of people together and they ask you questions. So you basically present a question. Like, am I? So my question was like, am I called to be ordained um, in a sp- specific church? in a specific denomination. So that was my question. So during the course of it, it was like an hour of time is set aside, and I have a committee of people that I cho- that I like invited, and some How said yes. How did you choose them? So I tried to um, choose people from diverse perspectives. Um, at that time in my life, I was interning at the Christian Association at UPenn, and I was helping pastor the Queer Christian Fellowship.
0: Rev Bev it was Rev Bev.
3: Rev Bev was there. Um, spicy lady. She definitely. I like Ripbeth. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. I know that there's a lot of people that she's turned off, and I think that's kind of one of those things. How you know? Like she
0: wears a boa occasionally. And I, she wears a boa. I'm a big Rip um, Taylor fan. Yeah,
3: and then, I don't know if you know, but she does her one woman show. So she's a she's a reverend in the UCC or Disciples of Christ. She does a one woman show about um I think just women's experience, women in particular's experience of embodiment, embodiment, but I think also men who. I can identify more with the feminine side. But she did a performance with like 13 different characters that she, um, you know, d- developed mm-hmm. on her own. And at the end, she had a booth and she gave away free vibrators. Sorry, Elaine. But it's really what the Reverend would do.
0: What was there the was brand a, is the big
3: question. A- Adam and Eve. Oh,
0: that's –
3: Today's show is – was, it was called big, Adam they're, and big, Eve.
0: they're big in Texas. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. So today's show is brought um, to you by – Adam and Eve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If we could get the Adam and Eve <laughs> sponsorship. Sure. I don't know that we have the right list totally. <laughs>
3: But yeah, she gave away two types. If too, you if you thing. know what
0: AdamandEve.com is, please be honest and hit a like on our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's, uh-huh. it's one of the uh, literal creationist sites. You, <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the, just the biggest adult store. I mean, uh, there are, uh,
3: right? They advertise. Um, so, do you remember Broad City, the show? Oh, yeah, yeah. The only commercial that was ever on was, like, the Adam and Eve
0: commercial, <laughs> which is,
3: like, anyone who likes broad city loves to masturbate or, like, use, like, AIDS during—anyways. <laughs> um, so, anyway, so how I gathered the group of people was—so I was already in a situation where I was, um, I was around, like, minorities, people who are, like, d- like, marginalized in different ways because of a very intimate sense of identity, that's also really hard to express. So I I was thinking about all the people I know. And I was trying to think of people who have a basic belief in not basic, had a really deep and um, sort of committed belief in um, that which many of us call God. And uh, sort of say it that way, because it's um, people who are serious about what it is to be human and what it means to and perha- perhaps believe in humans as co-creating the world, that the world isn't just handed to you, that you're actually invited to create it um, as it's happening one day at a time. Um, So I thought of all the people that I thought had that belief. And then I um, invited most of them that I thought were willing people (laughs) like that would would be willing to come over to my house and sit in a circle with me and do something like this. Um,
0: Who is the person in the group that you thought Or was there anybody in the group that you thought like you're gonna irritate the hell out of me, but I'm gonna invite you? Or was there? Mm -hmm. Okay, you don't have to name names, although you can if you want. If it could boost our ratings, that's a
3: good. um, Yeah, I don't. I actually don't know. I feel like as each person showed up, I was so moved by their um, just showing up. Really, like there was a sense of just like that they that they took me seriously.
1: Like that was sort of that you mattered.
3: Yeah, totally. And even this, like, it wasn't like, oh, this is cute. She's trying to figure out her call. Like, that it was really like, yeah, I'm going to.
0: Did you have in your mind, like, veto power? Like, if I, what if this (laughs) doesn't go my way? Or what if, even if I don't even know my way, but what if next morning I'm making bacon and eggs and I'm just like, ah, they're wrong. Yeah. Did you think about the end game?
3: The thing is, they're they're only allowed to ask questions. Um, So. Was any of
0: the questions like. What are you thinking? Like, Bobby
1: are you or an or a, are you an asshole for? considering <laughs> yeah. this? that's a real question. See, yeah. I'm, I'm still over here trying to figure out what demographic I represented.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just like someone who would just do it. white guy, white guy, <laughs>
1: professional yeah. Christian white guy. Like, uh, like, we had Doug would appreciate it. Doug Patchett, We were on a podcast yesterday. He kept saying, that's a professional Christian white guy," so I guess that was what. Yeah, my, maybe that, that was it, my demographic. But... Yeah,
3: but I also think of you as like kind of cr- like critical of. Um, like, I mean, there's a combo. So I was raised by a single dad, actually. Mm. So maybe this is more personal, but there's a sense of, like, critical but nurturing at the same time. So it's kind of like, all right, you like, trying to not make me walk into something where I'm faking it. You're not going to try to, like, push me into, like, yeah, become a minister. Like, it'll be great for you. Like, but just really, like, why do you want to do it? Like, was, you, a, was
0: your dad both of those?
3: Critical and nurturing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He seems more on the critical side. He's – um Someone who's he's familiar to a lot of my friends and stuff. Actually, he's still he's the bus driver for my husband's old band. He goes on tour with them every year. He's actually been touring with them longer than we did. Wow. Um
1: You might not yeah. mention the band.
3: So the band is called Me Without You.
1: Many of you know that band.
3: Um yeah. And my dad is Jack. He's the classic bus driver. And um <laughs> he can be super offensive. Um
1: That's right. You have, a lot you, like Bill. I mean, it like, there is. Offensive, de- like Bell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm super offensive. No, no you're not.
3: De- you're not. De- so, no, my no, dad.
0: Have you ever
1: <laughs> driven a bus? Yeah, I yeah, have. Yeah yeah,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. There we go. I, or, I oh, that. maybe it's you a, should join. That'd be awesome. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally. Yeah.
3: Oh, my gosh. You guys would have <laughs> so, so much fun. Can we
1: sit around and sing Tiny Dancers? We're driving. Oh, that's a different movie.
3: Maybe. I think, actually, on my phone, I think I have right now, like, I saw a couple updates. Like, my dad just sent, I think, like, 10 little videos. From just the view of him driving, yeah. which – th- and then he drops. He's like, oh, sorry, there's a cop. And
1: like, <laughs> yeah, he should be, I remember actually you invited you invite your dad to one of my classes. Yeah, he came And you class. warned me about him.
3: Yep. That's appropriate.
1: <laughs> it worked out. Fun. He was great. He was wonderful. Yeah.
3: yeah see? The, right? Yeah. They, they So what they get was, it, what was mm-hmm. their verdict? Well, the thing is they're only so, – so that's the Quaker kind of way is that there kind of is no verdict. There's like only process – did sense. you call
0: like, anybody like the next day? Like, all right, I know we're not on Quaker rules though. Now, like, what yeah, do you I know. I we're off.
3: Do? Um, did
0: you pull the, the no, audience? I,
3: I, I kind of, so someone took notes. That's part of it too, is that someone like records the, what everyone says. And so then that's more for like my own private reflection later. Um, I kind of feel like really what I was looking for was, so I was part of a church that, um, seemed like they were opening open and affirming towards sexual minorities. Um, but on the books, they actually were not. They were, like, among the most conservative. And um, so I had this feeling, like, I don't – Why did
0: they seem like it, though?
3: Why did they seem like it? Um,
1: but a deep care for the poor, uh, outspoken on many justice issues, uh-huh. this this particular um, fellowship or tradition is. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, and was part of a church that radically identified with the poor. Well, so it's part yeah, of what you're and- thinking is, look, you're, like –
0: progress you're you you're inclusive on all these issues. Yes. I'm, I'm assuming this box is checked
3: <laughs> totally. That's the thing. and I think most people do because it's also it's um it's a community that's like opening to like welcoming to artists. like they do a lot of like art stuff. They have like a art team. um and they're I'll say it's it's Circle of Hope in Philadelphia. like it's a church that's like it creates great friendships. Great community.
0: You just named names.
3: I know. I had to name names because— Do
0: you know how well I know the senior pastor, lead pastor? Which one? Rachel.
3: Oh yeah, Rachel's awesome. Yeah, so Rachel, that's the thing. Everyone's yeah, and, great, and, and, so that's like, and
0: Jeff, her husband is a is a. We went to college. Yeah, together.
3: he keeps hitting me up on LinkedIn for some reason. Not him directly, but you know how LinkedIn works. Like how they're yeah, just like yeah. so for some I, reason. I, he's
1: always, I I don't. But, I'm not on but LinkedIn. He, but he yeah. needs to be. Uh, and this totally. next this next segment is brought to you by LinkedIn. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but just so saying, so it's like an awesome community, and I felt like so these really were the at Rod wh-
1: these were the Rod
0: White days.
3: Yeah, totally, and um. Yeah and that was recently after someone directly asked like I know that our I know that Circle of Hope is like pretty welcoming of anybody but what's the denomination's stance like if I wanted to say I wanted to keep becoming like part of the denomination or something is there is there and I'm gay is there something that's gonna disallow me from joining the like inner circle and no one answered and and then I answered on like the dialogue which is the email situation where that everybody gets and um and I just quoted what it says in the brethren of Christ that's the denomination brethren of Christ literature and uh everyone hated it it was really offensive and um and I was asked to um consider how I use my power and to not do that, something like that again, and um. So anyway, so that's so then part of the process. It was after that where I was like, I don't feel comfortable with that. Like I need to be part of a community. Did, it, did where they there's...
0: ask you that on email?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good point. How it's did like, how it, did
0: that feel? I mean, that right. seems like a. Bomb email, like
3: um, it was actually so when something is written in email, I feel like it's tough because you can continue to quote it in your mind. Like that's mm. what happened with me, where it was just like I could yeah. repeat the exact phrase that was like kind of like a digging. It was painful. It was like um, I mean, it was kind of like who do you think you are? Sort of feeling, and and uh, there wasn't a, a real person in it. It it felt like to me. So um.
1: and and that also really represents what was really the challenge. In progressive evangelical circles uh and that you know I mm-hmm. mean that that was mm-hmm. kind of, i mean you've seen a lot of people move on that issue who are card carrying evangelicals, but that was one of those time periods snapshots and again um that that not as many people were openly struggling about that issue that was still right. the evangelical was a little bigger than the social action on that on mm-hmm. that on that end of things but uh
0: I'm still struggling with carrying a card my mm-hmm. wife made me a nice card and i try to
3: carry an evangelical oh, card? About the card no carrying.
0: just a business card like, Oh, not it oh, feel weird still, to carry a still, card still like, back like, this is my card like
3: yeah
2: totally
0: but, but you should carry <laughs> yeah, a card totally and it's good
3: I yeah. made like a I, so you know how there's like all those card deals on the internet I made like a box of a thousand cards and um I threw them away because I like felt so silly
0: I, my wife made lovely cards I'll show them to you. Yeah. am done by and she even we even got a, a, like a stainless steel like it looks like silver like. no
1: cards. they are very cool they're really yeah they're very yeah, cool she's remaking but with the podcast. We just need you to get out more often so you can hand them out. Oh yeah. I'm not going that far. <laughs> well,
3: you can come over to my house or visit? We could walk to the there's a new coffee shop and there's lots of people along the way there and back. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> all
0: right, all right, all right.
3: The Germantown Espresso Bar just opened last week. Um,
1: so, what's uh, we probably should start thinking about ending this. It's been really great though, and fascinating. So, what uh, what are you most um, what are you most looking forward to right now in your ministry or, or projects you're working on?
0: I mean, I know this is being on this podcast is mm-hmm. on your
1: bucket I mean, list, it, so this
0: yeah. is done. There is no, there is no,
1: after you come, after you recover from the disappointment that this is the peak of your life, <laughs> what do you want to do next? <laughs>
3: no, I do, I do have to say that I like, I love the experience of like, um, well, just to be totally honest, just like hearing my own voice through a microphone into headphones in my ears. It's like this kind of loop. that's like, oh, what is like happening is now so we don't even happening have to, in a bigger circle. We don't even <laughs> have
1: to post this. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: I do get – I am enjoying the occasional like bleep that someone thought something about what's yeah. going on here. What do
0: you like about it?
3: Um, it's a, I mean it's a good question. I think Um, – all right. So I'm looking at that book right there. It's called I Am Joseph. So – uh.
1: It, a children's Bible that actually built. <laughs> all right. I yes. yes. Okay. It yes. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Scott beat me in Bible trivia last week. Oh, yeah. You can, oh, hold, yeah. It. You can uh, hold it if you want. Well, <laughs> all right. So
3: let's see I am Joseph. So there's something about – so here he is and he's like – he's dreaming and he's definitely nude. Um, and
0: That's he's why I was pinned. <laughs> there's a that, oh, shot really? of his buttocks.
3: Oh, which, really? Oh, and there's a personal note in here, dear Scott. Can I read it? You can if you want. I know you really enjoyed this book, and since it's been censored in <laughs> middle school, <laughs> it seems fit that you own it. <laughs> Here's to the many happy moments you spent with me in the library. Enjoy, Mrs. Strite's
1: Barbara Strite's. Yes, that's actually no. That's that's actually that's a beautiful thing.
3: Yeah. I, It's awesome. So now, oh, there's like a little sample of maybe nudity
0: under me. No, I'll show you what. All right, and we can we can put this on the Facebook Live. Yeah, but you were saying though why you liked Mm -hmm. it and what.
3: So hearing yeah the voice amplified and stuff. So I mentioned um, Mr. Rogers earlier again. Back to the kids watching TV and trying to choose things. Oh, sorry. Oh, there it is. Set it up. Oh my gosh, his butt (gasps) with a lady. Oh my gosh, it looks like they're about to do it.
1: But well, she was trying to. That's the whole biblical. Uh,
3: there it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. 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 Well, there we go. All right.
0: That's there's a lot of day. squats in that interpretation.
3: There are, <laughs> there are
1: still communities in New Jersey that do not allow their children to look at that book. But anyway. Oh
3: really? Um. All right. So I am Joseph. So there's a sense of like hearing my own voice in a place that's like, so and watching a lot of television with my kids. We so here's a way of sort of summarizing it. Um, we were listening to Mister Rogers. Um. And he's speaking as Fred Rogers to in some sort of political setting, trying to get funding. Oh, Um, yeah, and he's a Presbyterian Uh, minister who is actually ordained to public television. Right, that's what it wasn't like. He was a minister and then became a public television guy. Like he was ordained to
1: Mm -hmm. television.
3: Um, So anyway, so he says that he wants wants to teach children that their feelings are both uh, mentionable and manageable. Yeah, you know this. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So there's something about like hearing my own voice amplified in and also in a context that's shared that we're we're basically just like talking about things that are important to us in a uh sort of unscripted way and um and to me that feels like my voice is meaningful and um and of course manageable
0: (laughs) (laughs) is part of what makes it more manageable the fact that you're getting to say the things that are meaningful
3: yeah i think so because they're like squeezed together in yeah. a way that's like if they're meaningful then I manage them better. Yeah. Cuz I take them seriously.
0: Or it's almost like maybe they're they become manageable because you don't have to manage them because of the meaning.
3: Right, like Horton having fun in the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I tell you, this is uh it's been a treat for me because it's uh it's fun as a teacher to be taught mm. and to become a student and uh and I feel that Has been the case in many situations with you, but uh, great joy to have you with us, and uh, and uh, thank you for driving all the way out here to the bunker. Absolutely,
3: yeah, it's great to be here.
1: It's very drivable.
3: Yeah, (laughs) totally. Ninety-five. There was some construction, but it was fine.
0: Anywhere in the Mid Atlantic area. Thank you for being with us.
3: Thanks for having me, and thanks for taking the time to do this
1: podcast. Uh, Our pleasure.